Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy, increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R-sleep.com. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1, Episode 44. We've all heard the saying, it's lonely at the top, and that's true for CEOs too. According to research by the Harvard Business Review, half of CEOs struggle with feelings of isolation. And of those, a whopping 61% feel it's hurting their job performance. After all, having a trusted sounding board is critical to success in just about any role. So wouldn't it make sense to have some built-in support for CEOs? As it turns out, there is built-in support for CEOs. It's called the Board of Directors. But here's the surprising thing. In a survey of over 400 CEOs in 11 countries, only 28% of CEOs said they turned to their board of directors for honest feedback. Not even one-third of CEOs turned to their board of directors for guidance. And what's interesting is that was back in 2018. Since then, the shifting landscape of pandemic conditions has only increased the complexity and volatility of, well, everything. And that, in turn, increases the chances of that healthy tension between CEOs and their boards degrading into an unhealthy friction. And that just becomes one more thing to keep CEOs up at night. And if you're a regular listener of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, you know that sleep performance problems are the death knell for performance, period. And so, in this episode of our Business Impact Series, we talk with Julie Garland McClellan about how to leverage the power of your board of directors. Julie is a professional company director and corporate governance consultant who provides the behind-the-scenes guidance that has helped many boards, CEOs, and chairmen turn difficult situations into successful outcomes. She is the author of six books on governance and writes the powerful newsletter called The Director's Dilemma. What I love about the insights Julie shares in this conversation is this. We focus on the relationship between CEOs and their boards, but there are concrete takeaways for you, no matter what your current level is in the chain of command. 
Listen in and learn why CEOs are struggling to deliver in this new environment. How to reduce friction between CEOs and their board of directors and how to leverage the power of your board for business growth and success. Let's listen in to this compelling and timely conversation with Julie Garland McClellan. Well, hello, Julie, and welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast. Hello, Tara, and it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm so pleased to have you as a guest for our quarter four business impact series, where we help CEOs and business leaders now as they plan for success in the new year. And as I was saying to you before, Julie, your name, Julie Garland, makes me think of Judy Garland, who we all know from The Wizard of Oz, and we can probably hear saying to Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. And I think we all really know we are definitely not where we used to be. I mean, things are different. So different, in fact, that more and more people are losing sleep. I heard a recent stat that 58% of people are now struggling with sleep, and there's a 20% increase in sleep medication. And here on the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, we can't bear the thought of people losing sleep. So we're bringing business leaders the insights and ideas of the top thought leaders in the business consulting space, ideas and insights business leaders can use now for success in 2022 whether we're in Kansas or not. And Julie, when I think of people who have a critical behind the scenes view of the corporate world, you top the list. Your guidance behind the scenes has helped many boards, CEOs and chairmen turn difficult situations into successful outcomes. And so I'm so excited for our conversation for this business impact series to help CEOs and business leaders plan for success in the new year. So with all that, can we get started with talking about, you know, what you're seeing and hearing that's keeping CEOs and business leaders up at night and what your perspective and, and uh, you know, any insights are on those things? And maybe we can finish up with some concrete strategies that CEOs can use now as they plan for success in the coming year. So yeah, can we start with what you're seeing and hearing? Yeah, I think it's no surprise that everyone in the boardroom is quite worried right now and understandably so. The world has changed. Our supply chains have changed. Our markets are changing. We've got that whole generational change. We've got the technology change. We've then had the pandemic dumped upon us and there's a lot of worry at the moment that the strategic planning we used to do and particularly for boards you know you spend hours going through the strategic plan and signing off on it and then holding the CEO and the senior executive team to deliver that plan that is starting to go out of the window and what we're having instead are shorter and more agile bursts of this is happening, we need to respond, this looks like a good response, let's do this for a few months and see how that goes. Mm. So that's causing a lot of angst with CEOs who feel that 
They don't quite know where the goalposts are anymore. They're still expected to win the game, but the goalposts keep moving. Right. And it's causing a lot of angst for boards because they can't sit back and switch off. They have to be constantly on. And the combination of those two leads to a lot of friction in the relationship, which can show itself up as very unhealthy tension, misunderstandings, fault-finding complaints, what we Australians call whinging. Um, <laughs> whinging, okay. Yep, yep. You've got a picture of a baby behind you, so babies whinge. Like cry? Yeah, it's sort of quiet crying just non-stop uh, persistent complaint uh, okay okay that I'm not happy you need to look after me noise um, mm. but unfortunately when it happens in the boardroom and the c-suite it's a lot harder to deal with you can't just pick them up and give them a cuddle right <laughs> and very often you don't want to either right um, so and you don't want them going to the bottle <laughs> No, you certainly don't want them going to the bottle. The bottle is not the answer. Well, not even so, for so, medicinal purposes. No, right, right. So that tension you're saying is between the, the CEO and the C-suite and the board. It's uh, those two pieces. So, so interesting. I hadn't really thought about it at that level. I love that you brought in the agile piece because the agile management has gotten um, to be so much more prevalent, I guess, right? And I hadn't really even thought about it either coming up to the C-suite level. So there's, it's like a, a, like you said, a new game. They're still expected to make the goal, but the goal posts keep moving and they're not really uh, probably uh, not used to playing, uh, playing that way by any means. Wow. So that's, that's really interesting. Give us like the 30,000 foot overview of what you do and how, you know, what you see as helpful in this current situation as you described it. Mostly what I do is I work with boards to help them to improve their performance and build better companies. Um, what I'm seeing over the last two years is quite a few of my clients have come to me and said, could you work with our CEO? He or she is struggling to deliver in this new environment and needs support, particularly, and it's not so much the executive coaching, it's the CEO needs help because we can feel that the relationship we have is getting eroded. Mm. And that's dangerous, particularly for the CEO, because when push comes to shove, the board hires the CEO and the board fires the CEO. So that whole issue of how do I handle this relationship? How do I keep the board? Because the board have a legal duty to know what's going on mm. and whenever a company fails you always hear this cry of where were the directors how did they not know but when things are changing like this and the board is trying to discharge their duty and satisfy the shareholders that they are an active board and awake and alert and on the game it can come across to the ceo and even more so to the ceo's direct reports as fault-finding, complaining, undermining, not trusting. So mm. building that relationship so that the healthy tension is there, the requirement to perform and deliver, but 
getting that understanding of what's going on and what are the rules of this game. It's very hard for CEOs because they report to a group. Yeah. And yeah, even in the Bible, it says you can only report to one person. <laughs> and here you see poor CEOs sometimes reporting to 12. Yeah. Um, gee, yeah. that's and difficult. Right. And in, and interesting, as you are describing that, I'm just thinking, too, the CEO is the top guy. But then all of a sudden he is now the you know, he's not the top guy. He's got this whole group above him that he shifts everything. So that must make a strange, uh, you know, must be a, a, a work to shift into that sort of mode. And and I would imagine when you are dealing with the day to day and it's so uh, unpredictable as it is now, you've got all those tensions and then you've got to step into this other role. And uh, if you do hear that criticism or what you perceive as criticism, it could really make for a challenging situation. So if we think about all of that, you know, where the CEO is at, what that, the, the importance of that relationship and how quickly, especially in an environment like this, how quickly it can shift into being, um, you know, not only non-productive, but really negative. What, what can people really be doing to um, make that relationship as strong or as positive as possible and as, as workable as, as we can, because we don't need another strain at this point, right? A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com two different strategies depending on where you sit. If you're on the board, your job is to give the CEO clear, coherent instructions mm -hmm. and guidance. So your job is to motivate and control. So when you've got a group of 12, it's a very good idea to have one person who speaks for that group so that the CEO hears not all of the different voices that went into forming the group opinion, but the group opinion itself. Mm -hmm. And usually that person is the chair. But with COVID and with meeting in Zoom and all of these things, very often the meetings are shorter. The CEO is there hearing all of these voices. And then when they come out of the room, it's like, oh, yes, but Fred said this and Mary said that. And the CEO summed it up with something, I mean, the chair summed it up with something different again. And I've got the audit committee next week, and they're going to be interested in the financial outcomes. And it all suddenly explodes again in the poor CEO's brain. Yeah. So really taking some time and saying, look, we're going to have a meeting just for the board. And we're going to talk about how do we see the CEO? Where's the CEO doing a good job? Where is the CEO in need of support? Where are the CEO's direct reports stepping up and providing the support they should? And where does the CEO perhaps need extra help? Because nobody sees you better than other people. Um, true, so true. We have our blind spots for sure. We certainly do. Um, right. So that whole Johari window, when you've got one Joe and five to 12 Haris, that's really helpful 
Um, and for people who don't know the Johari window, it's a really neat thing. Just go hit Google. Um, so that's for the board to do is that build your own unity first, speak with a united voice, make sure that you act as one body. And that is hard because yeah. good boards are diverse. That makes perfect sense to me because it is much easier to take it from one person rather than trying to take in this sort of un incohesive kind of message from a bunch of different places. And it makes me think too, that the CEO could think about how he would handle a conversation with um, one of his uh, underlings, right? Would he sit there with the whole C-suite streaming, you know, or would he kind of get everything together in a private meeting and then go and deliver it? So I love that. It makes sense. And it also has uh, real applications for, you know, it's relevant to what mm. they would do themselves. Okay, perfect. So thank you. And then the next one you were saying for CEOs themselves? Is there used to be a, a thing, you know, when you're talking to the board, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you've told them. Yeah. Well, nowadays, it's really tell us what you're worried about and what you're thinking about. And we'll worry and think about it too. And then maybe at the next meeting, let's have a, because you want to give the board time to think. Don't mm -hmm. expect them to give you their best answer two minutes after they heard the problem. That's right. not going to happen. So tell them what you're worried about. Then at the next meeting, have a conversation about that. A good director will get information from other sources. They will verify, they'll check, they, they will ponder deeply. Um, then you can have a really valuable conversation which provides some input and only at the third meeting, do you start saying, okay, well, look, here are the proposed solutions. This is my plan of the sequencing and the prioritizing. And that way you are building that shared agreement. So there are less comebacks on you as CEO, mm. but it means you have to be brave up front and go to these people with, this is what I'm thinking about rather than this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, if you go with what I'm going to do, they'll pick at it and find fault because they're frightened that if you do the wrong thing, they're going to be in trouble and their reputations are going to suffer. Um, so that, I think, in a nutshell, are the two things. One is the board unity, and the other one is that sharing the load. You know, the directors, if you've got the right board, your directors are clever, sensible, well-intentioned people whose main desire is to support you. Mm. But if they don't know how you achieved your, um, your plan of action, then it's very hard for them to keep on building that trust. Right. So right. that whole, yeah. this is what I'm worrying about. This is the information. This is how I am reaching and forming a conclusion. If they have visibility of that, the trust levels get much higher. Right. If you right. come to them and say, this is the way. Right. Oh, is it? it is right. Right. Way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, tell me more. Yeah. Um, well, you know, what's so logical. interesting. Yeah. It's what's so interesting to me about that approach is that, um, 
the, the time factor, right? <clears throat> We've been in this, especially last year, I think it was like, you know, ready, fire, aim, right? Everybody, you were just, you know, you had a problem that had to be solved at that moment. Time was of the essence jumping and it, you did what you had to do. I think companies got through it. But what you're saying is now take, we have these challenges, take the benefit of time, right? By spreading it out, but even uh, above that, make it inclusive, share with the, what the concern is, and then give everybody the time to sort of give you the best of what they have to offer. So you come, you come out at that third meeting with a plan after, you know, a so-called meeting of the minds, but independently, if you will, you really get the benefit of everybody's ponderings and really can get the best mm. plan forward. If you have little time, sometimes what you have to do is step back and, and plan, you know, take the time to plan it best. Yeah, especially for the external or independent directors. Yeah, they're not living the day-to-day -day of the company. They have the freedom to access research. They might have relationships with shareholders, with banks, with um, other parts of the community that will give them perspectives, but they're not going to have those perspectives with them in the room at the time. Mm. So when I look at a good board, um, I'll see, first of all, a board that puts a lot of time and effort into building that connection between the individual directors and the board itself. Really strong, cohesive unit. They're a team. The second thing they do is they put a lot of time and effort into building the connection between the board and the company. And I think this is where the focus of our conversation today is. It's how do I help these external people who are bringing that independent viewpoint to add value by strengthening their connection, their ability to oversight and know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that involves terrible things like maybe having a conversation with the CEO's direct reports when the CEO's not there. Mm -hmm. Like maybe an individual director has coffee with somebody who's a thought leader in a particular function. Um, and to do that, you need directors who understand their role and don't step over the boundaries and get caught up in the chain of command. So mm -hmm. the connection between directors and the board, the connection between the board and the company, then that connection, which is the outcome of the good decisions between the company and a good strategy that's going to deliver the outcomes that everybody wants, because nobody sits there wanting a failure. Right. Um, we all want success. And then the final piece of the puzzle is a good board has the confidence of shareholders. And that means they need to listen to them. They need to empathize. They need to understand. So if you look at the traditional model, one AGM, where everybody's in the same room because you want people to hear questions from other shareholders as well as answers from the executives and the board, that's been broken. Replacing that with one online forum where, mm -hmm. yes, you might hear the question, but you can't quite see the facial expression or sometimes the questions are typed in and somebody neutral chooses which ones to ask sure. and reads them out in their own voice with their own intonation and right. so it's little everything. things like 
I didn't say Tara was naughty. I didn't say Tara was naughty. Yeah. I said somebody else was naughty. I didn't say it. I took out a full page advert in yeah. the Wall Street Journal, but I didn't say it. Right, um, right. You know, understanding we can use the same words and they mean completely different things with tone and inflection and emphasis. Yes. So yes. providing ways for shareholders to talk to the boards that they have elected to govern their companies. Again, a good board should be thinking about their shareholder relations. They shouldn't be abdicating to the CEO. They shouldn't be missing in action and just hoping for the best. And they certainly shouldn't give it all away to an investor relations firm. Um, mm. You need to know your shareholders well enough to brief that firm. Yeah, you give yeah. away the doing, not the strategy and the relationship. So yes. a good board will have those four things under control. And that gives a CEO a much more certain environment within which to act and to innovate and to bring forward those strategies right. that hopefully maximize the chance of success. Yeah, yeah. And if it would seem if those four things are in place, then there is going to be more uh, trust on the part of the CEO in being able to go there and make that first statement, like you said, of saying, these are the things that I'm thinking about, right? Because that can be a little vulnerable. This is what I'm worried about, right? So it's see everything has to be in place to really have that that trust, that sense of vulnerability, and then really that communication that allows that uh, you know, to ultimately success, really. Very interesting. So, um, Julie, as we wind up here, I always ask, ask guests uh, two questions. The first one is, knowing what you know, what would you like to see on a billboard, uh, a message that you think it would be important for the CEOs and the business leaders, and also, as we've talked about, for the, the board and, and other stakeholders, what would be an important message uh, to put on a billboard, knowing that a billboard is a relatively small piece of real estate and you tend to go by it pretty fast? I would probably use the three values that I live by and aspire to share with the companies that I work with. And that is clarity, leadership, and action. Mm. You need to be really clear about what is the purpose of this company? What was it founded for? What's it supposed to do? And hold that up against every stratagem that people suggest and say, does that take us towards the purpose or away from it? Mm. You see so many companies look at GE splitting into three. What a, what a sad fate for a company that for many years was held up as the best way to do things. So mm. clarity, leadership, that ability to stand up and say, look, this is what I stand for. This is what I'm trying to build. Are you with me? Will you come with me? Let's do this. And then the final one is don't just talk about it. Actually roll your sleeves up and do something because mm. all the talk in the world ain't going to change a thing. Yeah. Um, you can Tap your little red heels together three times if you like. <laughs> but I have a sneaking feeling that doing some hard work just might be more yes. effective. There you go. There you go. Um, you know, as we talked about before, being here in quarter four and talking about planning for success, those are three 
great things to live by. Have that clarity, show that leadership and take that action. And uh, I think, I think that's perfect. I love that. Okay. So last question then for you, Julie, is uh, where would people connect with you? Probably the easiest place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Um, I am the only Julie Garland McClellan on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, but I'm also quite active on Facebook. I have a newsletter called The Director's Dilemma, which looks at a real life practical problem that a board that I've worked with has faced uh-huh. and then provides a range of solutions because. I'm not the only expert in this field and different people with different experiences will have different ideas. And the trick is to know what's going to work for you, what's going to work for your board, your executive team, your company, your customers, your society. Mm. So make your own decision. The rules are there to guide, but they don't, it's not mathematics there is not one right way and one right answer. It's uh, contextual. Okay. So and that, I'm sorry. So that's what we would find in the director's dilemma then? Yeah. So yeah, if and, you Google the director's dilemma or go to directorsdilemma.com, that I think is perhaps my, certainly it's the contribution I enjoy most, uh-huh. um, but it's the one that I'm best known for and it's freely available. Oh, perfect. I will put uh, your LinkedIn um, link in the uh, show notes as well as the the uh, link for that. Wow. Well, that was, that'll be great. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for sharing your time and all your expertise with us. I believe it will really help our audience as well. So thank you, Julie. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. A high performance workforce starts with high performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, if your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.